You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Bow with me, please. Lord, let us, let us, as we move into this message and as we consider your ways and your word, oh Lord God, let that same spirit of beauty and loveliness and intimacy, let it pervade, let it pervade this, these next moments. Have your way. We commit it to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Most of you uh, know me, I think, certainly many of you. I'm Ricky Cotton. I'm a, a longtime spiritual friends with Matt Hewitt and Robbie Wydell. Uh, Robbie and I probably go back almost 20 years now. I'm getting to where I don't count as well as I used to, but it's been a long time, a long time. And, and I've, been, uh, I've been, like I say, I've been in and out of Oasis quite a bit, and I've been here a whole lot the past six or eight months because God has told me I want you to support Robbie as he assumes this new ministry, this new dimension to his ministry. And I'm going to talk a bit more about that in a moment. Uh, but it's, it really is a privilege, and I'm, I'm really excited about this. I'm going to call it a new era in the life of Oasis, and I'll refer back to the installation prayer that I was privileged to deliver when, when Robbie was formally uh, installed here. But God is building on the work of these 20 years. Robin, is it 20 years? 20 years of the history of this church, uh, which has truly been an oasis has truly been a place of refreshing and strengthening and deepening in God. Uh, but I, I, want to, uh, I want to look at the scripture first. A lot of verses here. Bear with me, please. I did teach college for 31 years alongside uh, Robbie for 20 of those years. So I have to give you a lot of information. In fact, I just want to tell you everything I know this morning. Will that be all right? Yeah. Or at least forgive me if it seems like I'm trying to do that, okay? At least bear with me. Pray for the guys. Say, you know... He hasn't, he hasn't been at the pulpit here for a few months. He's just trying to get it all out. But I, I would like to read the scripture now. And we are, we're dealing with the lectionary reading uh, for this Sunday from the epistles. And it's Colossians 3. And it's coming from a section of the scripture that my Bible, you know how it sections it up, many of, our, many of these Bibles we buy. It's called The New Life in Christ. And I was thinking, well, it's not new to all these people. I struggle with that a little bit. But it, but it is, in a couple of ways, new life. For one thing, our life in Christ should be new every morning. You know, the, you know the hymn, the classic hymn, the mercies of God, the grace of God is new every morning. And it's also a time of newness and, and taking the next steps and embracing what God has for us next as we move forward in, the, in this new era, building on the old era of the life of Oasis. So I decided to stay with that title uh, the new life in Christ, or our new life in Christ. And I'm going to just read all, almost all of the verses from that section, so, so bear with me, if you will, please. Let's do them all. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices, and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, 
barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. But Christ is all and is in all. As God, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, do in word or deed. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Can we just have a couple of moments of silence? I know you remember everything we just read. So just a couple of moments of silence to think about all that's in that. All that's in that scripture. So that's all I want you to do from now on. In this new era of the life of Oasis, you do all that, you'll be fine, okay? You, can, you got that down, no problem. And uh, you, you'll be all that God wants you to be. So a lot. We want to unload all of that. And I wanted to tell you a little story about the way I want you to listen. To listen to this uh, scripture. To listen to what God is emphasizing in these many, many verses. The things that I'll point out. So there's the story that, um, that a man whose marriage was in trouble heard about this very famous spiritual teacher. This well-known spiritual teacher. And he managed to get an appointment with him. And he went in and he asked his advice. And the man said, after listening to him, he says, I really think you need to listen to your wife. You just really need to listen to her. He said, oh, okay. He took the advice to heart, in fact, after he thought about it. He went home, and for a month, he tried to listen to her, to listen to every word that she said. And he came back, and he reported to the master teacher. He said, I have listened to every word that she said. He said, okay, good. Now. To be successful in your marriage, I want you to listen to every word she isn't saying. That she isn't bringing to words, I want you to hear her heart. You see that? So that's what God wants us to do, wants us to do with this scripture. And we want to approach it, to approach it that way. Now Robbie, gosh, is, he, is his preaching just getting better and better and better? You know this? I'm going like, wow, I've known this guy 20 years and there's something new, there's something fresh going on here. And I know that in the installation prayer that I felt like the Lord helped him with, just a few things I want to bring back. Uh, we, we, uh, in that prayer, God, God helped me with it, I believe. He, he certainly said to me, you have to acknowledge, you have to recognize, the church must know what has been going on, this foundational work, this to, to recognize the special work of the Spirit, the, the fact that Oasis has been an oasis. And you need to recognize that Robbie is assuming this new mantle and that there is going to be a creativity about him and an anointing 
to what he does that's going to be different or fresh or new. And I've seen that already. I've seen it. And then he particularly emphasized to me that we needed to be a support for Robbie. And these are the words that I have, I have there in the installation prayer. This was back in, uh, back in March. May we be the support for Robbie that you desire us to be, O Lord, as he assumes this role. May we be true co-ministers with him and true spiritual friends to him in all the respects of the special call and ministry of this church as we move forward in you and into the unfolding work of your kingdom. May it be so, yes? May it be so. So in this scripture, I want to go first to this admonishment or this invitation to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts to which you were called in the one body. So the peace of Christ, that's not peace maybe the way that we often, we often think of it. It really has to go to something that the desert fathers call quiesce. I'll talk a little bit more about the desert fathers. I want to bring them into the message today. But this quiesce that they sought back in the 3rd and 4th and 5th centuries in the desert, getting away from the persecution first and then getting away from the compromise with the Roman Empire second, this quiesce they sought was this communion with God in the Spirit, this resting in the Spirit. And then whatever activities they go forth into, there is this sense of the presence. There is a rest in the Spirit in the midst of activity. That's what, that's what they desired. So another story now, oh, let me tell you a little bit more about the Desert Fathers and Mothers. I'm such a big fan of theirs. Like I say, it was the 3rd, uh, 4th, and 5th centuries, a 200-year revival. We feel good in America, these, many of these people that emphasize them, they get a two-week revival, boy, that is exciting. Then I do remember there was a revival or two the past 20, 30 years that uh, was said to last two or three years. Brownsville and Pensacola, maybe you heard of that one. The Toronto Blessing about the same time up in Canada. That's two or three years. We're talking 200 years here, okay? This is a while. And uh, the way that that happened, they, they would gather, they, they went in the desert because first because of the persecution. They just had to move away. And then secondly, they grew even more concerned when, the, when Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. That scared many really spiritual people because now it's easy to compromise. Now it's easy to play politics and and be uh, concerned with money and reputation and so forth at the expense of the Scripture and uh, the ways of God, what the Spirit of God is saying. And so these uh, young, younger uh, people would gather around, perhaps an older one, they would live in proximity to one another, and they would call this person either Abba or Amma. And this would be sort of their teacher, their, their spiritual counselor, so, so forth. And one of the most famous of them was Abba Macarius. In fact, he's called Abba Macarius the Great. He lived to be 105 years old, living in the desert under arduous conditions. Uh, I could use a little bit of the fasting that he did, I think. Anyway, here's a story that, uh, that is told about Abba Macarius. This brother, um, this brother wanted to grow in, in holiness. He wanted to go deeper into God. So he went to Abba Macarius and he said to him, give me a word. That's what they asked for. They call this advice, this insight, a word of knowledge, if you will. Give me a word that I might go deeper in God. The old man sat there in silence for a moment. He said, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the cemetery near the village there, a little piece from us. 
And I want you to insult the dead people lying there. I want you to call them all kind of names. I want you to, I want you to insult them in any way and every way you can think. The brother says, oh, okay. And he went there, even threw stones at them, just to add something to what the old man had said. And he came back and he told the old man he had faithfully obeyed this. And the old man said, did they say anything back to you? Did they seem upset to you? Could you determine any kind of response of any kind? He said, no. He says, okay. I want you to go back tomorrow morning and I want you to praise them. I want you to say everything wonderful and kind and, and uh, praiseworthy to them. So the, uh, the young man, he goes back. He calls them apostles. He calls them saints. He calls them righteous men and women. He goes back to the old man and he says, all right, I've complimented them in every way I could think of it. The old man say, did they answer you this time? The brother shook his head. He said, well, no, no, father. No, they, they didn't say anything. You insulted them, right? Said the old man. You praised them, right? They didn't respond to you? He says, if you want to go deeper in God, that's why you need to practice responding both to insults and to praise, to hardship and to blessing." You don't respond to it out of your emotionality. You, you don't respond out of your concern for your ego needs. And the brother went away edified. These, these uh, desert monks were into something, don't you think? They were picking up on something. So let the peace of Christ rule. Now you're going to have to have some sort of practice for cultivating the peace, for maintaining the sense of connectedness and rootedness. And I don't think that doesn't mean at the, at the surface of our being that we might not get upset. We might be thrown off a little bit. But we're able to return. We have some way of practice, some way of praying that we can return and be connected to what God uh, longs for us to do in terms of being in oneness with His Spirit, in communion with all that He is. Now the beginning of this passage said, set your mind on things that are above. Well, I don't think this means to only think about heaven. I think it means to think about things from God's perspective, to learn how to see what God sees, and to let that be your priority. So we're, again, going to have to practice in order to have this kind of intimacy, this kind of union with God, <coughs> Excuse me, where we, where we have this connectedness, even in the midst of maybe something that sort of concerns us, causes us anxiety or sadness or even great inner pain, but we're not dominated by that. We are fundamentally in union with Christ. We are one with Christ. Now we can't do this in our own strength. You don't decide to do this. You don't set your mind in the same way that uh, you might decide to lose weight or build up your physique in some way. That's not what happens. Because Paul said, I try to do good things and I do terrible things. I, I, I cannot carry it out. I do not do the good, Paul said in Romans 7, that I want to do. And I often do the evil that I do not want to do. And then he goes on to say in another place, yet I have reached the place where it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So there's this movement from being, trying to accomplish things in your own strength. Remember Paul said in my weakness, Paul, at least God said to Paul, in your weakness is my strength made perfect. Robbie was speaking to us about the Lord's Prayer. He said that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray. This is Romans 8. 
The very Spirit intercedes within us and through us with sighs that are too deep for words. So this is a kind of prayer that goes beyond words, to simply rest in God, to let, to let your very spirit sigh. And maybe your body will or will not sigh. But it's, it's first and foremost spiritual connectedness and spiritual expressiveness. This is where we want to go. And this would take us, this is what we measure ourselves by. I haven't arrived, but I'm, I'm so longing to go that way. I'm so hungry to go that way. And Jesus said, abide in me, Abide in me as I abide in you. For just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them will bear much fruit. But apart from me you can do nothing. So we're going to have to have some way of orienting ourselves, some way of setting our minds refocusing our minds, maintaining some focus or orientation that allows us to abide in Christ in the midst of all things, in anything. It's the direction we want to go. And then we'll reach that place where, as the Colossians 3 says, we read it, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And it speaks about the old self and it speaks about the new self this new life in Christ. Well, it's very easy to keep slipping back to the old self. You've been a Christian for six months, you slip back some. You've been a Christian for six years, you keep slipping back off and on. You've been a Christian for 16 years, 30 years, you slip back into the sense of separate, sense of alienation, discouragement, despair. That's fine, but every day you take up your cross. Every day you return to your first love as Christ called us to you need a practice for doing that. Some way of simply being present, being yielded, being open, communing with the Spirit, making that a part, really the primary part of your devotional life. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. There's no other way to decenter the ego, to keep from being egocentric. Ego's not a bad thing. Egocentrism, that's a terrible thing. And then wherever we get together, this would be heresy if I, if I were saying it, but I just read it. I just read what I'm about to tell you again from the New Testament. It said, Christ is all and is in all. That really who we are as individuals and corporately, somehow or another, we are Christ. And as we grow in the ability to look at one another and see Christ, as we look at one another to respond to one another as Christ would respond to one another, we're moving toward what God is calling us to. We're journeying toward this place that is spoken of in 1 Corinthians 13. I desire it. Jesus desired it. He prayed for it. Again, this would be heresy, but this is Jesus, so maybe he can't be a heretic in the Christian church. Is that possible? So here's what he said. This is him praying in John 17. I pray that all of them may be one Father... Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Is that radical enough for you? I don't know what it means exactly, but I want to keep going that way. I want to, every morning in my prayer time, say, I really do want the fullness that you prayed for. I want, I want the destiny that you outlined, and I don't want to keep 
falling back into my own understanding, my own sense of disconnection, my own sense of individuality. I want to continue to lay that aside and open up and let you continue to draw me, to seek for me. He longs for us. He desires us. Let me read it again. I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. We are to be in relationship with Him, with the Father, with the Spirit, in the same way that they are in relationship, the Trinity is in relationship to one another. <coughs> Ephesians 4 says something similar. There is one body and one Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, and listen to this, who is above all, and through all, and in all. And then Galatians, I read this before, but let me say it again. I no longer live, wrote Paul. It is Christ who lives in me. It is Christ who lives in me. And then these practices that were outlined as we move toward the second half of that scripture of compassion and kindness and humility and meekness, those began to manifest. Patience, this bearing with one another. So just some thoughts on humility. Humility is the ability, again, to let go of self-centeredness, to let go of the first reference in relating to God and relating to other people being yourself, that your reference is to what Christ sees and wants and, and, and wants to be done, wants to be said in the situation. So you see first this Christ is all and is in all, you see play first from this place of unity, of interconnectedness, of oneness. And then you understand that your individuality, your uniqueness, your distinctiveness flows out of that as an expression of the oneness. That sounds like good algebra, doesn't it? Good mathematics? Surely. Well, maybe not. So uh, a few more stories from my beloved desert fathers and mothers. One of the elders was asked, what was humility? And he said, if you forgive a brother who has injured you before he asks you for forgiveness, that is humility. I like these desert fathers and mothers. Well, to one of them, a devil appeared, a demon, a spirit, or a vision of some kind, disguised as an angel of light and says, I am the angel Gabriel. I have been sent to you and the brother said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, are you sure you weren't sent to someone else? Uh, I'm not worthy to have a demon sent to me. I'm not worthy to have the angel Gabriel sent to me. I think you made a mistake, and he walked away. Let us go for that point. And the forgiveness then that flows out of that, this call to forgive one another, to forgive before the brother or sister asks forgiveness. That's how we were forgiven, right? We were forgiven before it ever occurred to us to ask for forgiveness. It was done. It was accomplished. That's what he did on the cross. We are already the beloved at one, at union with Christ. The only thing that separates us from that? Our stubbornness, our ignorance, our darkness. So there was a brother in the community that happened to commit a fault. So the elders ascended to judge him. And they sent for Abba Moses to come and be part of it because they respected him so much. Now, Abba Moses was a, a big uh, 
black guy. He, he, he was from Ethiopia or someone like that, and he had been a slave. And then he had run away from, run away from his owner, and he had become a robber and a thief, and he was feared throughout the region. And one time when he was fleeing from the authorities who were seeking from him, he hid in one of these little communities of, of desert fathers and mothers. He hid there, and, and he stayed there several days, afraid to go out because of the people who were looking for him. And he was so impressed, he was so convicted, that he says, I, I, want, I, I want what you have. I want to be like you. And they said, we'll accept you. We'll try you out. We'll bring you on. And he brought the same zeal, the same strength, the same, the same, uh, the thing that he was as a rebel, as a, as a marauder, he brought to the, to being a monk, and he became one of the most respected elders among the communities. And so they sent for him, they sent for him to this uh, congregation that was going to judge this brother who had sinned. Come to the community; they they are waiting for you. So he arose. He started off, but he picked up an old basket that was full of holes, and he filled it with sand, and he carried it behind him into the assembly. And the sand was running out behind him as he went forward. The elders looked at this and said, Abba Moses, what, what is this? Why are you carrying this holy basket? What, you're, you're getting sand all in the area here. And he said, listen, my sins are running out behind me, and I don't even see them. And yet you call me here to judge this brother? I can't be judging him. And they were convicted, they forgave the brother, and they came into harmony again. One more story, I think, uh, about this particular phase, this humility, this forgiveness. <coughs> there was an elder who had a well-tried novice living with him. And once when he was annoyed with him, irritated, he drove this novice out of the cell. This is the little hut. And the novice went and sat down outside, and he waited all night. The next morning, the elder, opening the door, found him there and did penance before him because he was so shocked. He was so surprised that the young man would still be there. He said, you are the father because of your patience and humility, and they have overcome the weakness of my own soul. Come back in, and you be the elder, you be the father, I will be the novice. For by your good works, you have surpassed my old age. Wouldn't it be great if we had that kind of spirit among ourselves where we could exchange roles when appropriate? We could recognize when someone else uh, certainly needed to be forgiven and needed to be restored. And then finally, the, the, um, in terms of these behaviors, in terms of these practices... Certainly I want you to keep in mind that communion is one of the core practices that these people practiced, that God has called us to practice. Spiritual friendship, which we talked about in here uh, just a few Sundays ago. And we are, we are pursuing these spiritual practices on Tuesday night in the lab sessions as well. I think many of you know that. So we've looked at uh, prayer and we've looked at, um, we've looked at uh, spiritual friendship. And one of the things that we look for in this spiritual friendship is this ability to set the self aside for we to incarnate Christ to one another. So Paul said in this particular passage, love, finally love and do everything in Jesus' name. Love and do everything in Jesus' name. Mark said, 
in Mark, Jesus said, Love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now you notice that's a lot of love to love God that much. To love God with all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. That's a lot of love. And then to love your neighbor as you love yourself. A couple of things are going on there. At the same time you're loving yourself, you're loving your neighbor. But you are key to see, you have to love yourself. If you've got some issues where you're really dealing with self-image, you need to get those, you need to get some help with that. You need to work on that. Yes. And I wanted to read a few lines from Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton wrote this book about the Desert Fathers, and actually it's an assembly of these stories that I've been reading him. The Lord gave me this book back in the early 70s, my early 20s. I bought this book brand new. It would cost you $15 to $20 now because it's a, it's a very valued book, even though it's not very thick. I paid $1.50. Brand new. Brand new, not on sale, full price in the bookstore. That's what it cost in the early 70s. And then I've referred to this book off and on now for those um, almost 50 years. I love these desert fathers and mothers. I really do. And so in the introduction to this little book, He's meditating on the kind of love that they had for one another, the kind of love that they practiced. And he said, in conclusion of that section, he said, love demands a complete inner transformation. For without this, we cannot possibly come to identify ourselves with our neighbor. Now listen to this line. We have to become, in some sense, the person we love. We have to become, in some sense, the person we love. We want to move into communion then in that spirit of being fully present and open and yielded to God and fully present with one another. That the communion is not just with the Lord, it's done together. It's the community communing together as well as communing with with the God that we love. So just a couple of thoughts about that. Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 said, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? This is Paul's words. It's a sharing in the blood of Christ. The bread we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? And now here's the key line for me from this particular passage. Because there is one bread, there's one bread, doesn't matter if you're taking communion in the Baptist church or the Catholic church or in Africa or here, there's one bread because the bread is Jesus Christ. And we are partaking of Him and we are inviting Him into us to take, to take us, to take over us. When He was instituting this, I want you to notice what Jesus said, this one key line. And I love the way the King James puts it. With desire, with desire, I have desired to eat this meal with you. I like that. He doesn't say with great desire. He doesn't say with fur. He just says, with desire I have desired. He just wanted to kind of repeat it over and over again. I love that. Now, in a more modern translation, they're not going to do that redundancy. But Oh, I love it. I think that gets it. The key to the Christian life is desire. God's desire and then cultivating our desire for Him. It's not a matter primarily of discipline. 
It's not primarily a, a matter of some sort of set of behaviors of one kind or another or of being in church. It's communion with the Spirit. And the act of communion, the act of communion is a representation of that. It is a celebration of that. It is one of the core practices that we do as individuals and as brothers, sisters in relationship. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.